Everybody, welcome back. Yeah. To Horror Movie Yearbook. We're here. I am Tim. I'm Willie. It's been a couple months since Scream 6. It's been a while, yeah. We have both seen that movie multiple times since then, right? I think I've seen it twice now. No, three times. You've seen it three times? Did you watch it, like, at home? I saw it in the theater again. Okay. Because Nick wasn't able to make it to our first, when we went and saw it. And he wanted to go see it, and so I was like, I'll go with you. Yeah. Because I always like watching them when I know the outcome of the movies. Yeah. It's fun to watch them a second time. Mm-hmm. And then I think I had Paramount Plus for a completely unrelated reason. I don't remember why. Mm-hmm. It was for something else. And um, uh, it popped up during like my last day or two of having the subscription. Yeah. I was like, I'll watch it again. Yep. <laughs> yep. And that was a phone viewing. I was watching it on my phone or whatever. Yeah. I haven't seen it twice at this point. So it's... it's I, I'll say this. I kind of stand by where, where I'm at with it on our... When, Everybody go, if you haven't listened to that one, that's a, and you maybe have just checked out Scream 6, I thought we did a good job on that, especially after one viewing, like yep. pretty going pretty deep in depth into it. Yeah. Um, that's out now. It's been out for a couple months. It's on our YouTube channel as well if um, you want to throw it on in the background while you do stuff Absolutely. Uh, on the TV. But um, there's no video, but whatever, you know. Um, we do it, so... I mean. Yeah, I do it too, yeah. <laughs> I kind of, the, the, I like to throw podcasts on. Yeah. Um, anyway, so I think we did a good job, and I watched it again, I'm like, eh, I, think, I think I was pretty much where I... I am on that one. It's an incredibly entertaining movie, though, still. like Yeah, a lot of fun. Yeah. Um, yeah, I softened a little bit on some of the stuff in the third act. Like, the, the first time around, I was kind of like, what? I mean, there's still elements of it where I'm like, what? Yeah. <laughs> but um, the second time around, I was like, I think just knowing where I was headed, um, I appreciated some aspects of the reveal and stuff more than I did the first time around. Um, I still think it, it is still to me like the first screen movie. And I mean this in both uh, a real like positive way and, and a negative way too. It is the first screen movie in the franchise to me that feels like a slasher sequel. Yep. That really feels like a slasher sequel Um, in all the, in all the good ways and all the probably not great ways. Yep. It it definitely feels the, yeah, it feels like, it feels like a part six. And a lot of that feels intentional, too. I think a lot of it is. Yep. Um, and it could be us giving him too much credit, but I really do think it I is think intentional. I think it is, too. Yeah. <laughs> I think there's an audacity to this movie. Yeah. And, like, a crazy loudness to it that is like, well, we're making part six, and we're going to put six in the title, so we're really going for it. Yeah. So. A couple of housekeeping things um, to get out of the way, and then we're going to jump into Malignant here. We have not been as active on social media. Uh, the last couple months have been a little busy. Been active at all? So. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh, you've been very active. Yeah. <laughs> uh, just not. yeah. Just <laughs> tied up in newborn stuff. But it, it. But I do plan on. I will. I will log back in here. Um. Now that we're back up and running. Um. So apologies if you have like tweeted at us or got at us on Instagram or emailed us. Um. Hit us up on Facebook, whatever YouTube. Um. Uh, I have not seen it. Uh. Because I just have been. Way out to lunch um, yeah. on a lot of it. But now that we're back up and running a little bit, um, yeah, at HM Yearbook on Twitter, Horror Movie Yearbook on Instagram, Horror Movie Yearbook on Facebook, Horror Movie Yearbook on YouTube, Horror Movie Yearbook at gmail.com. Um, Try to be a little bit better out in the future, but wanted to start off with that. Just a heads up to the listeners. Uh, yeah. We're still thinking about you. <laughs> yes. I could have kept we're it alive. Ig- we're not ignoring. <laughs> yeah. I could have kept it alive, but I was like, oh. I, I'll be, I didn't, actually. I, I'll be honest. I feel even worse because I didn't even think about it. I was just like, all right, we're taking a hiatus. So Yep. That's kind of how I was, too. Yeah, I was like, it's, it is what it is. It's all good. Uh, the game nerds, I know that they're working around. Uh, they have a, a couple new fathers over there as well. Yes. Um, 
And so congratulations to them. I don't know if I've congratulated John. I know I've congratulated on, on, on I have. There are babies everywhere. It's a baby factory. It's insanity. Uh, the, uh, the, or, but I will say this. I was recently on an episode. So if you, like it was my first episode yeah. back. We yeah. did a remote recording with Gojo and Alex over the Game Nerds, who Alex has been on our podcast as well. Mm-hmm. The founder, as many of you know, uh, of course. MS. Talk a little bit about Zelda, um, which I have not played since. Uh, talking about it a couple weeks ago because I just what Zelda is this? This is the newest one, Tears of the Kingdom, which is amazing. Like it's oh, it's out. It's out, and it's honestly probably going to be the game of the year. I think uh, is for it a lot better of than Breath of the Wild? Yep. Yeah, and wow. um, and I, I it, that's not a knock against the Breath of the Wild because I think Breath of the Wild is well, amazing too. I love this one too. The only thing with this one is, and I talked a little bit about it on the um on the Game Nerds podcast too, is I just haven't. Like, do you remember when I got Carpal Tunnel at work for Breath of the Wild? Because yeah. I was playing it so much, I had to go buy the wristband at lunch because yeah. I couldn't do my job. I haven't, like, and some of it is other things, but I just haven't been as drawn, because it's overwhelmingly, like, the amount of stuff you can do in Tears of the Kingdom to start, it's, like, overwhelming. And then, like, you play it for an hour, and you're like, I got nothing done. Like, yeah. Like, I got nothing done in this in yeah. this uh, session. So that's the only thing I'll say, but that's not a knock against the game. You know what I mean? Yeah, I think that's just the way I feel about open world games in general is I, I don't play a lot of them because um, I'm a task-oriented person. Um, I'm a checklist guy. Yeah. It's just always the way I've been. And um, so when you give me... When you drop me into something and you don't give me like a, a list of things to do, like it's just like go, go wild, go nuts, yeah. run around and. So I will say the cool thing about Tears of the Kingdom is you can play it that way too. Okay. Like you can go like I want to go shrine to shrine. Okay. Or I want to go do this. It's okay. just yeah, it is like, but you also are like you're almost paralyzed by choice That's when it comes to saying. that too. Is like you're like okay, what do I do now yeah. that I have anyway? Yeah. yeah it's um, terrifying. Midwest game nerds is what I'm trying to say. Uh, I was on there for. A little bit, then I had to drop off, but um, Alex and uh, Gojo. Gojo, I think Gojo's beat it at this point, so Gojo has a very informed opinion about mm-hmm. the game, and he loved it as well. So Excellent. All right, anything else housekeeping-wise from you you want to take care of? Nope, I think I'm good. Yeah. I think I'm ready to talk some talk some malignant. James Wan's malignant. Uh, you want to do the time machine? We're only going to go back a couple of years. <laughs> Wait, well, I mean, I feel like... Normally we wouldn't, but like I feel like we should because it's been so long. So yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, very nice, very nice. Malignant, directed by James Wan, written by one Mister James Wan, Ingrid Bisu, and Akila Cooper. I'll talk a little bit more about her later, um, but yeah, starring Annabelle Wallace, Maddie Hassan, and George Young. Madison is paralyzed by shocking visions of grisly murders and her torments worsen as she discovers that these waking dreams are, in fact, terrifying nightmares. This is released in September, I believe, of 2021, okay. or around that time. Um, this was, this was a, I always think of my head as like a pandemic movie because it was simultaneously mm-hmm. released in theaters on HBO Max. That's right. I think we'll talk a little bit about that more. This is the second time I have seen it. I watched it when it first came out. Mm-hmm. Um, I watched it on Max. Uh, which was that either HBO Go or HBO Max? Who who really knows at this point what the app was called at the time? I don't know. <laughs> so, um, Willie, this was your first time yes. watching *Malignant*. Yes. Um, well, we would originally pick this film because 
I it was on Tubi and then it disappeared, but it's out to rent and stuff. Yeah, I want to get your thoughts first because I believe mm. I have talked about this movie in the past. So, what did you think of Malignant? <laughs> um, you know, okay, so the I've heard I had heard from you and and a couple other people ahead of watching this, like give it some time because you got to give it some time and and things will really get going. So I was I was kind of ready for that first chunk of the movie, which is entertaining, but it definitely is. It takes its time, you know, to kind of build to where it's going. Um, luckily, I like the uh, I like James Wan's direction. I mean, the, James Wan's one of those guys who uh, he can make anything. Like he can make anything, and not only can he make any kind of movie, I feel like they will all have that signature James Wan style to them. Like I can tell it's a James Wan movie, and this is one of those where I go, "That's James Wan." Like even if I didn't know, I would know. Um, just from a, from a filmmaking standpoint, it's like, that's his movie. Um, the score ruled too. I want to mention that real quick. I really like the score of this movie. It's like bombastic and awesome and just wonderful. Um, but so I was, I was into it for that first hour because even though it was, it was definitely on the slower end or on the, on the more, uh, definitely, definitely pace ratchets up very quickly when it does um and it does take a while to get there so i can see why some people might be kind of bored of the first hour or so of the movie um but i kind of dug it because a i was expecting it and b it feels like it's kind of like that first hour or so is james wan's like giallo movie it feels very giallo to me like you've got the uh the female lead who is um, uh, caught up in a murder mystery uh, where there's a mysterious killer wearing black gloves killing people off in shadows. And she's got a psychic report with (laughs) the murders slash, like with the murder, with the killings slash the murderer which is very giallo. There's some sort of like psychic link or some sort of like yeah. a, 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 a spiritual connection or something. And I was like, oh, it's just James Wan. There's like a weapon too. There's like a specific weapon they're using. There's a certain <laughs> bladed weapon. <laughs> yes. That's like the signature weapon. And I was like, this is just James Wan making a giallo and I'm, I'm okay with this. Like I'm good for it. Um, and then, I don't want to say too much. The movie does different, something very different. Um, and it's, it's taking inspirations from a lot of different things. Um, one of them continuing to be Giallo, and I'll, when we get into spoilers, I'll talk about that. But uh, it, 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 I mean, he's he's inspired by everything from Argento to John Wick in this movie, <laughs> um, to James Cameron in this. I mean, he's got a lot. Of, it's it's like it's a beautiful potpourri of of uh, of like some of my favorite genres of filmmaking and uh, through the lens of a director who I think is very one of the best in the genre. So uh, I had a lot of fun with Malignant. It's, it is ridiculous. It is an insane movie. Yeah. It's like it, it, it takes a slightly unhinged human being to come up with this. <laughs> yeah. But I appreciate that. It's not often these days where I see a movie th- where I see a movie that has this like in, in just feels absolutely bonkers insane, but isn't force feeding you. Look at how bonkers and insane this movie is. 
Like it's not like trying to like outdo itself constantly. Like that, no, it's just it's just crazy. It like, plays it straight. Yeah, it plays yes. us, yeah, it never winks. Not yeah, exactly, exactly. And I really appreciate that. This is not Tusk. You know what I mean? Like this is not. Yep. You know, I'm not dissing Tusk, but Tusk is of its own breed. No, I know um, exactly what you mean. You know what I mean by yep. that. So, um, I enjoyed it a lot. I, I, I had a ton of fun with it, and uh, I always love to see a filmmaker kind of going back to his roots. Um, especially somebody like James Wan, who has now uh, directed uh, a couple of major, major studio movies, um, and really turned a horror franchise into a major studio franchise. Um, so. He's kind of done it all, and I'm really happy he's not afraid to go back and dabble in things that got him recognized in the first place. Just need Peter Jackson to get on the, get on it, right, Pete, Pete? I need you, buddy. Where is he now? I don't know. I haven't seen it. Oh, sure. he did like a documentary a couple years ago, like a World War II documentary. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's yep. Right. yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I need, I need, I need a Peter Jackson horror movie again. That's yeah. Sam, Sam's come back into it, um, but but Pete needs to get. We need him to rejuvenate through the blood and guts right so. but yeah i really enjoyed it tons of fun definitely worth a watch but get through the first enjoy the first hour for what it is it's yeah don't i would say not bad it's yeah just, just kind of yeah let it go like let it kind of wash gonna, over you've you. probably heard if you haven't seen it you've probably heard read something about how crazy this movie is and in that first hour you would go huh this is the crazy movie it gets there <laughs> it'll get there Cool. Okay, so this is my second time watching it. Yeah. Um, and I was kind of, I think I like was very similar to you yeah. on a first watch where I, I was kind of like, oh, I watched it that first weekend too because it was, I think I went, this movie at home, it's James Wan, I'm going to watch this. So I did, I was kind of like, okay, I'm into this. Like, this is interesting. The first hour is interesting, like, first hour or so. Yeah. And then it hits you with that reveal. Like, the reveal, and it reveals like there's the shot, you know what I'm talking about? Oh, yeah. About. Yeah. And I go, what? What the? <laughs> Yeah, because I actually like I didn't know, and this is kind of like this is kind of like a recent staple of a lot of like popular horror movies these days. It's kind of fun with some of these movies not knowing. Um, Barbarian is the one I'm thinking of mm, specifically. Yeah. Yeah. Like part of the fun in a lot of these movies is people going like don't know anything, and it's not just because of like like a Sixth Sense style spoiler. It's because it's more fun to be along for the ride a lot of the time. Yeah, yeah. yeah. A lot of these newer movies are being. They're designed almost like roller coasters. Yeah, and, and, and if you, you know, if you spoil the, and like the thing know. with Barbarian, I think with uh, this with like with the Jalo genre too is like mm-hmm. these filmmakers know the tropes of that genre. Like James Wan knows the beats of a Jalo movie, yeah, and he knows when to twist it, and like he knows when to turn it on its head, <laughs> and he knows. <laughs> <laughs> well, one of the one of the. Uh, real quick, I just want, I'm going to no, mention it good. now. Yeah. One of the things, the, one of the staples of Giallo, and I don't think I'm giving too much away about Malignant by saying this, is one of the staples of the Giallo is it's a pretty, uh, minus maybe some of that, that kind of weird psychic-y stuff that goes on in a lot of the Giallo films, that some of the weird like borderline supernatural stuff. There tends to be a third act reveal in Giallos that is grotesque and shocking yep. and like makes you go, what? Yep. And this does that, and I think that that was that 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 reveal that you were discussing earlier with your wonderful pantomiming of what was going on in the reveal <laughs> yeah. um, is, uh, I think it, it is definitely another example of of him drawing on that genre and the staples of those movies for sure, hundred percent. The you touched on a little bit too. This reminds me a lot of um, Drag Me to Hell, 
mm-hmm. and that it's a guy returning to his roots. Juan had made, like, his last two movies that he had directed before this, or was Conjuring 2 in between Fast 7 and Aquaman? I'd have to look it up. Um, okay. Because he did not direct Conjuring 3, correct? He did not. He produced Conjuring 3. Uh, so I believe you are correct. I do think that Conjuring, Conjuring 2, 2 was, was post a, yes. Fast and the Furious. Yeah. I guess where I'm going with that, too, because that is also a bigger budget. Conjuring 2 is like a big series at this point. This feels to me like a little bit more like Drag Me to Hell, where it's a guy who has learned mm-hmm. from making big budget movies like that. Yes. How to then bring those skills over to something a little bit smaller. And it's weird calling this movie small because it's it's big at times. But sure. this this feels like a James Wan blunder, like James Wan in a blunder. Like put James Wan in a blunder, all his influences, and then all of his movies because there's stuff that feels like Saw in this movie. There's stuff Absolutely. there's there's touches of the conjuring. Um there are touches of death sentence towards mm-hmm. the end. Um that's all of these things and like a lot of the third act without once again spoiling too much, we're gonna need to get into spoilers right after this so we can just yeah. talk about it. Feels like big budget action movie too. Absolutely. Yep. And like John Wick is a good comparison. Yeah. But it feels like, oh, this I learned I learned how to shoot this on Fast Seven. Oh, I learned how to yeah, shoot this. Yes. In he's applying skills that he picked up doing those big that big studio yep. movie or those big studio movies. He's applying those things that he didn't have experience with pre. He's able to apply some of that stuff, and it just increases the the bombastic, just yeah. crazy third act of this movie. Yeah, because that's the fun in this is seeing a guy as skilled and talented as him. Um, especially when it comes to certain things like action. He's a very skilled action director yes, as well. He is. Yes, um, he is. That death sentence thing still sticks. I watched Death Sentence not too long ago and that like mm-hmm. one that like scene in the parking garage is That's still great. incredible. That's great. Um so yeah, um I liked this just as much the second time. So it, I was actually more into the first hour knowing where it was going. Uh, I I'm a malignant fan. I'm a big fan of Gabriel. Gabriel. You ready to get into the plot here? Yes, yes. We're just going to go through the Wikipedia plot summary. I'm going to stop after every paragraph and we can talk about something sure. in it if we want. In 1993, Dr. Florence Weaver and her colleagues Victor Fields and John Gregory treat a violent, disturbed patient named Gabriel at Simeon Research Facility who was able to control electricity and broadcast his thoughts via speakers. After Gabriel kills several staff members, Dr. Weaver determines that he is a lost cause and the cancer must be removed. Mm. End of the first paragraph. Indeed. This is where I thought we were getting, and we kind of do, uh, James Wan's shocker. I know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I had the same thought. I was like, is this shocker? Like, is he just doing shocker? That's red. And there's a part of me that's like, it is kind of like, shocker is kind of a big, bombastic Wes Craven movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's certainly, yeah. Where shocker, shocker is a lot sillier. Where shocker loses me, though, is the end. It gets so dumb. It gets dumb. Like, there's a difference between silly and dumb. And I think shocker, when he starts like, transporting through soccer gets dumb yes this movie gets silly this movie gets silly but still like fun cool <laughs> where shocker does not there's get nothing cool. cool about the end of shocker <laughs> the last bit of it's just not i'm a horse pinker fan but i have to tell you it's just no i i, I had the same thought i was like is this gonna be shocker i knew a little bit going in about something i didn't like the exact what the exact reveal was i knew it involved some sort of uh um, twin thing like parasitic twin or I knew that there was some so twin, I knew yeah. that it was tied to that and I had a feeling because I knew that going in I was like okay she's more physically involved in the killings than we think you know so, yeah yeah 
Um, 27 years later, Madison Lake Mitchell, a pregnant woman living in Seattle, returns home to her abusive husband, Derek. During an argument about her multiple previous miscarriages, Derek smashes Madison's head against a wall, causing her to bleed to the point of impact. After locking herself in her room, she has a nightmare of a person entering her house their house and killing Derek to Madison's horror. The killer attacks her shortly after seeing Derek's corpse, knocking her unconscious. So weirdly enough, I did not pick up on the, uh, the back of the head thing the first time. Like it kind of like, so this time like I went, Oh, that's funny. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah um, I feel like when they mentioned that at the end, I was like, Oh, okay. Yeah. 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 For sure. That, that, that makes sense. I don't think I really thought about it beyond them just establishing that he's like an asshole. Um, I want to talk about this. So we've talked a little bit. He has mentioned, James Wan has mentioned the Jalo influences mm-hmm. um, early on. And we talked a little bit about them, kind of the, the woman also having to deal with like a past trauma in her life. Yeah. Um, that's a, that's a trademark. But he's also talked about this being like a movie where he would have found it in the back of the video store as a yeah. kid. Um, which is perfect. Cause I don't think it did that well in the theater, but it is kind of like a discovery and I remember, like, that first weekend it came out, it was, like, a lot of people talking online about it. There was a lot of talk about it. Yeah, yeah, a lot of people online talking. I remember feeling kind of weirdly, I was, like, kind of sad. I was like, oh, I'm not, like... In not the, part of the know, fun. Not, yeah. In, in, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yep. But, yeah, it had that weird release. We might talk about that later. But, um, so his influence is all over this movie, but I don't think, like, I... Like, there's a lot of King in this movie. The title sequence, yeah. the, the abusive husband, yeah. and, uh, honestly, the the... The two, I mean, that's the dark half. Yeah. Yeah, um, essentially. Yeah, I didn't um, think about that. That's funny. You're right. There's it is, definitely some King stuff going on there. Yeah, there's a lot of King. And King himself, he loved this movie. Oh, yeah. I, I, yeah, <laughs> I bet. I, King, I bet. Uh, King and the other uh, famous supporter apparently is Nicolas Cage. Oh, yeah. I can see that, too. Yeah. He probably wishes he could have played... Gabriel. Uh, Gabriel. Yeah. Oh, he would have loved it. <laughs> How do you attach me to the back of the actress, then? What do we do with the... Oh, that's wild. That's, that's crazy. Wild. It's not a good cage impression. <laughs> but either one was good. <laughs> it's the best I can do. Uh, anything else at the uh, the awakening of Gabriel? No, I mean we we set the tone in terms of like where we're at with the gore and stuff right out of the gate. I mean we don't actually see the the shitty husband get killed. We see the aftermath. Oh yeah. Gnarly. Yep. yeah, yeah. His head's like hanging off basically. Um, yeah, yeah. Right out of the gate, we're we're, we're we're moving now. We do slow down a bit here after this initial initial uh, go. But yeah, Madison wakes up in a hospital and is informed by her sister Sydney that her unborn baby did not survive the attack. Oh, that's right. She's been trying to get pregnant, which plays a wild reveal at the end of this movie. And it's sweet. <laughs> it's, it's so it's, uh, I had forgotten about that when I rewatched insane. that. <laughs> as soon as she says it too, I was like, what? <laughs> After interviewed, being interviewed by police detective Kikoa Shaw and his partner Regina Moss. What a name. Those are Kikoa Shaw? That's a cool name, isn't it? Uh, Madison returns home. Very very Pacific Northwest name in a lot of ways. Yeah. Yeah. Kikoa, yeah. Uh, Madison reveals to Sydney that she was adopted at eight years old and has no memory of her prior life. The killer kidnaps a woman running a Seattle underground tour, and Madison continues to bleed at the back of her head. She later experience, experiences another vision in which she helplessly watches Dr. Weaver being brutally bludgeoned by the killer and this is where he finds his weapon right yeah yeah yeah. he he fashions her uh like award her like great psychology or psychiatrist award best psychiatrist ever award into a like a dagger like a sick like glaive blade thing yeah it's awesome it rules uh 
Yeah, and we, you know, at this point, we're we're rolling, and um, you know, her reveal obviously that she was adopted and all that. I go, okay, we're we're gonna do the classic kind of slasher uh, thing where like sins of the past are going to mm-hmm. like there's something that happened in her past that's directly tied to this killer and what's going on. And I always dig that. That's one of my favorite things about the slasher genre, even the worst slasher movies. I always love the idea of of uh, something that happened many years before coming back to haunt all the people that were involved in whatever happened. Right. Yeah. Um, one other, So a couple other things I wanted to touch on here. This is a Seattle movie. Yep. Set in Seattle. We don't have a ton of. No. So it was kind of an interesting setting. Um, the Ring, of course, was set there. I believe she works for. Mm. Someone works for the, uh, like the, she's a reporter for the newspaper out there. The Changeling was also set in the area. Um, yeah. And then I wanted to, there was one more, uh, I believe Fear is set out in Seattle as oh, well. Oh, yeah, yeah, The yeah. greatest Seattle movie of all time. Aren't Fear. the Twilight movies I th- somewhere? They're out in Washington. I don't necessarily know if they're, they're out in that area. They're oh, out okay. in the Pacific Northwest. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, so the reason I bring that up too is because the thing, like I think this, uh, Going back to Jello is more plot oriented. I think the look of this is James Wan though through and through. Yes. This looks like Saw, right? Yeah. Oh, there's there's parts that immediately I was taken back to Saw. There's parts that um, a lot of the uh, interior, like architecturally and stuff, like the 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 houses, the interiors and stuff, very feel very Conjuring or very um, uh, Insidious. Uh, well, no, the, the the architecture and stuff that 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 feels Conjuring to me. Some of the effects and like the when she's uh, essentially being transported to the scene of the crime mentally, and the walls begin to oh, that's good, very insidious. Good call, yeah. Um, so there's oh there's elements of kind of all of that in here, I think. Yeah, yeah. And I think that like that color palette, the kind of like the kind of greenish gray, like, yeah, some uh, blues in there. Yeah, it it fits Seattle too. Yes, <laughs> yeah, oh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Yep. So I dug that. So like visually, I. I didn't like visually to me. This feels like early James Wan mm-hmm. in a lot of ways, mm-hmm. or horror James Wan, I should say. But it looks like it could fit into any of like the movies. Like in ter- it could it could exist in the same cinematic universe as, you know, Insidious. Yep. Because there's a similar vibe and a look to those those movies. Yeah. So during their investigation, Shaw and Moss discover a photo of Madison as a child in Weaver's house and learn that Weaver specialized in reconstructive surgery. Madison and Sydney approach the police officer. After the former has a vision of the killer murdering Dr. Fields. The killer then calls Madison, revealing himself as Gabriel. Madison and Cindy visit their motherhood and visit their mother and learn that Gabriel was an imaginary friend Madison spoke with during her childhood, but maybe also someone she knew before her adoption. Shaw later finds a link between the doctors and Madison hidden on Dr. Weaver's record journals, leading him to the discovery of the murder of Dr. Gregory. Oh, he's, is he the bed murder? Is Dr. Uh, where he's, is no, it, well, this is the bathtub one. Who gets the face caved in? The other one of the other guys. I okay, I mean, I don't know. I could be mixing them up. There's one guy. Either in the way, the face cave in is really good. It's super gross. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Uh, there's lots of face smashing in this movie. Absolutely, um, which is pretty sweet. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I like the unraveling of the mystery. It continues to kind of. You're not really sure what the outcome is going to be. Um, it was fun. The imaginary friend thing is always fun. Um, Do you have an imaginary friend growing up? 
No. Not I, don't, I, I don't know if that's too personal. I could ask my parents. Maybe I they would recall. remember. I used to make up characters like that I'd draw pictures of and stuff, but it wasn't... You weren't like... I wasn't talking to them. Like it's, I think it's like a thing kids do. Like I, I don't recall ever doing it either. Well, it's weird. Okay, so it's kind of weird because... <laughs> Josie, literally today, I finished Malignant. We go out to Trader Joe's to get some stuff. Uh, and right at Trader Joe's, and Josie's talking about uh, her friend Slammer. Okay. Slammer is my friend, but sometimes he gets mad, and he slams me in the face. Okay. What? <laughs> she did not watch Malignant with you, right? No, 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 no. <laughs> okay. That would explain the behavior earlier when she was having a rough go of it. But maybe Slammer is in there somewhere. I don't know. Okay. Check the back of the head. Yeah. Don't, don't let her bump her head in the store. No way. Uh-uh. <laughs> Yeah, so it's like a normal, normal th- kid thing. I don't thing. think it's, yeah, it's horrifying. Well, like, not, it, like it's not a normal kid thing to have like a murderous imaginary no, friend. No, 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 Like, but, but if Josie like actually starts having like an imaginary friend that gets brought up yeah. frequently, I'm going to get uncomfortable. <laughs> I mean, I will. I Fair won't enough. tell her that. Fair enough. But internally, I'm going to be like locking my bedroom door at night, you know. <laughs> I've seen, I've seen Malik that. I know what's up. I get it. Um. Here's where okay, so here's where I I this is where I started to get a little got a little impatient on the second watch was during the investigate, but also this is a nice call. I've been watching a lot of Argento movies, so this is not like a and he said it in interviews. This is more a, like a, a tribute to like um Tenebra, or yeah. like not Suspiria, but like that kind of stuff. Where you know what the investigative part of this those movies like those Argento movies especially too, like it gets a little. Oh, for sure. It's not the most engaging part of the movies. Yeah. There's those, some of that in Inferno, too, isn't there? Yeah, Inferno. Yeah, yeah. that was another one. Yep. So, like, but those movies, and I think this movie, Malina does a great job of capturing that vibe, which is, like, those movies aren't necessarily about, like, the nuts and bolts of the plot. It's about moments, like, these big moments. Yes. Like, the stuff that sticks with you. Yep. Um, like, the rats. Yeah, I think. he's kind yeah. of getting you to the next... Yeah. To the next, like he's basically just using this as a way to get to the next. You gotta have a gr- calm down before you. Yeah. Grand set piece that is, yep. yeah, gonna blow your mind. Absolutely. You know? So that's uh, bring it up there. That's the part where this is around the part where I go, okay. Yeah, I agree. No, this is this is the same same for me. I wasn't not enjoying it, but I hit that point where I was like, okay, like I, this is a mystery, and we're trying to figure it out. But eventually, let's let's solve the mystery for sure. Like, let's get where we're going. The detectives enlist a psychiatric hypnotherapist to unlock Madison's memories. Madison recalls that her birth name is Emily May and that Gabriel almost led her to kill Sydney in the womb. Now we're getting to the goods. Yeah, this is where things start to... Yeah. Yep. After Sydney was born, Madison forgot about Gabriel. The kidnapped woman escapes and falls from the attic of Madison's home, revealing that Gabriel was secretly living there. Believing Madison to be the culprit behind the murders, the police arrest her while the woman, revealed to be Madison's biological mother, Serena May, is taken to a nearby hospital. Yeah, yeah. Love the reveal that that's her mom. I did not actually expect that. I was, yeah. Because I was, honestly, when, they, when she kidnapped that lady towards the beginning... Um, I didn't recognize the lady, but I'm like, oh, it must have been somebody in the opening scene, like one of the orderlies or something. I just assumed it was. So, like, I never questioned, like, wait, who is this person and why are they being captured? Um, and so when the reveal happened, I was like, oh, shit, okay. Well, yeah. Cool. yeah. <laughs> now, I want to stop here, too. I want to I ask you, so his partner is, oh, I forgot her name. Um, is it uh, the co-writer of this movie? Um, I'm blanking. Ingr- is it Ingrid Bisu? Yes, and yeah. then um, there's another writer as well. that Akila Cooper. Yes, and I believe um, she gets the writing credit. Story by is, is the three of them. So I think the story behind it is his partner, uh, wife, um, came to him, mm-hmm. it was Inger Bisu. She came to him with the idea. She had been reading about 
kind of the the idea of the twin. Yeah. Um, and it's like, like an actual medical thing, and then they just kind of brainstorm from there. What and, if? Yeah. yeah. And then they uh, Akila Cooper came into the process, and she is like a writer. Yeah. Um, as well, she's written a couple things, but um, it's a crazy concept. Um. Akila Cooper, real quick. I want to talk about her real quick. Yeah. Because I think she's like, she's kind of a cool person to watch right now. She has done, she's written for a couple TV shows. I kind of know her from, she wrote an episode, she wrote on Luke Cage. She's written on American Horror Story. She also wrote on the latest season of, uh, the first season of Star Trek Strange New Worlds. Oh, the, cool. And she did a, like a fairy tale episode that I thought was a really cool idea, but like, I talked a little bit about it. It's one of those episodes that works better if you, get to spend more time with the characters mm. like and you know like they're in a, in a in the streaming area you only get 10 episodes now it seems yeah. like so it feels like something that like would have worked better for me but it was such a cool like if it was like a network show yeah like all of the people on the is a classic star trek thing where like all of the people get turned into like they live out a fairy tale on the mm-hmm. enterprise and it's like a classic kind of goofy star trek episode yeah and there's some great character stuff in there but like the problem is i don't necessarily think it's great I didn't pick up on it because we're in season one of the show and like it doesn't hit. That makes sense. Yeah. Anyway, um, she also, but she's, I want to bring her up to, she has, here's her um, film credits right now. So Malignant, of course, Hellfest. This is the movie, like the theme park movie that I believe starred Tony Todd. Oh, this was, yeah, yeah. yeah. I watched this. I watched this when it came out. It's a fun movie, but it felt like, it felt like like there were too many cooks in the kitchen almost. Like it kind of felt like it had been like there maybe the original script was really cool and then mm-hmm. it got kind of it got t- messed with. It's entertaining. It's very much trying to be a new age slasher and introduce kind of like a cool slasher villain. It just never quite gets there. But she's followed that up with Malignant. She's writing the nun too, and she also wrote um another movie that's kind of become like a phenomenon as well, which is Megan. Oh, sure. Megan. She wrote Megan. Um cool. I don't think she directed that either way. So she's kind of stayed in the um she's creating all sorts of cool uh horror characters. Yeah, and that's what I wanted to bring up. She's got Gabriel, she's got Megan. Because I remember when this came out a couple years ago, there was like I don't want to say it was a phenomenon, but like it, there were like some fun meme moments. Yeah. of Gabriel online and kind of like <laughs> here's Gabriel at the Met Gala. That's what I remember around the time. But like there was like he became kind of a thing and like we've gotten that quite a bit the last few years right yeah yeah there's been a couple i remember like yeah megan was huge um there was i think it kind of started with the bill skarsgård pennywise thing yeah because i feel like that kind of brought people back to like the loving like like people realizing like oh i kind of miss having horror icons yeah and then i think the nun helped the nun is a horror icon. Yep. I think, um, yeah, we talked about Megan. You know what? Like, like I'm talking smaller scale. Brahms. Too. Brahms, exactly where yep. I was going. I think the big one right now, and we're going to talk about him a little next week, is uh, Art, the clown Art from clown, Terrifier. Yeah. I think he's become kind of like a big yeah. horror, new age horror icon. Absolutely. So I think like looking back at this time in a few years, we're going to look back and go like, we got some cool, like we had the Halloween movies and we got the um, Scream like so we got the horror icons there but we also got some cool like new ones original stuff original stuff and i just think like she's created a couple of them and i think yes that's neat and honestly i think that's what she was going for with hellfest as well it just didn't it didn't it didn't take out yep um oh i forgot about uh, the babadook's a little older now but yeah that's a weird one yeah um that's a weird one yeah (laughs) i don't know 
All right, so we'll get into the end of the movie here. All Sydney right. visits the now-abandoned Simeon Hospital where Emily was treated and finds that Gabriel is Emily's parasitic twin brother who appeared as a half-formed child facing out of Emily's back. The reveals back. were so sweet. This is the reveal we were talking yeah, talking about earlier. Yeah, yeah, when it's like... This is a great moment. What, what, what was your reaction? Were you just like, what? I laughed. Yeah. Like, I laughed out it's loud. insane. Because, like, I kind of had an idea of where it might be going, but, like, I didn't, like, the visual You of can't it. possibly expect that. Because don't they, yeah. they show it through a camera, like, it's... So through- she's talk. she's, like, being interviewed, like, on, like, a camera, and then the camera pans around to the side, and all of a sudden you see the arms, like, ah! <laughs> like, it's so audacious, you can't help but it's laugh. It's insane. <laughs> uh... uh- Weaver operated on Emily and was able to remove Gabriel's body except for the brain, which he seals inside Emily's cranium. So they're essentially sharing yes. like a headspace. Yes. And he's out doing his thing while she, yeah. He's rebuilding his strength. Uh, I, I think we're getting, okay. He remained dormant until Derek hit her head against the wall. Gabriel actually operates Madison's body backwards when he takes control, it's so sweet. explaining his unnatural movements and the upside down handprints at the crime scene. I forgot about that aspect. So what, I, a, yeah. what a cool aspect, which is the upside down. That's right. So that That's is right. played by, uh, it's Marina Mazepa, I believe. Mazepa, yeah. She's uh, like a contortionist and a dancer. Yeah. She played Lisa Trevor in the Resident Evil, the newer one. Oh. She's really good as Lisa. I mean, Lisa's pretty not used very much in that movie but that's a cool piece of she plays yeah. lisa yeah trivia i know she's got it's a very like they didn't use cgi it's like her no, she can she can move yeah she's got double joint and stuff going on you know that kind of yeah super yep. flexible and whatnot yeah pretty cool so okay yeah i don't think we do cover the uh, oh no we, we're getting to the yeah. part we're talking about so provoked by fellow inmates in the lockup gabriel bursts out of madison's skull and takes control of her body once more slaughtering the inmates and almost the entire precinct staff sure before does. going to the hospital where serena is recovering for her captivity and the first time i watched this movie this is where i went oh my god i'm in love oh yeah this is the seed that we've been building to it's for insane her. it's insane because like it is violent uh zoe bell is in it too yeah yeah i love zoe bell <laughs> yes. um she was on lost she was in the last season of lost she i watched is. yeah um she comes in halfway through right yeah super briefly um that's right. but uh yeah what if what a i think this that's... is where the john wick uh, the john wick slash the matrix slash that's like martial arts stuff comes into play you get a lot of that in this scene also certainly i feel like there's it, whether it's intentional or not it reminds me of the terminator like kind of the 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 big slaughter in the police station. It's kind of that classic Terminator scene from the first movie. Yeah, this reminds me a lot of that. Um, just people getting launched left, right, front, and center. It, yeah, what? It, I mean, the reveal is where you go. That reveal is like the the shock of like, oh my god! And then like moments later, this happens, and you're just like, this is absolutely insane. It's bonkers. Like this is the part like where people like you said where people when you're telling people like the word of mouth that got out is referring to this scene in particular right? yes. or at least this this stretch of the movie yes. where we get the reveal of the head and yes. then right into the prison scene. When, when Gabriel st- really steps up <laughs> that's that's what people are talking about. Um Okay, where was I? Sydney and Shaw intercept. Sydney and Shaw intercept, but are attacked by Gabriel. Sydney informs Madison that Gabriel caused her miscarriages oh because he was fetus, feeding on her fetuses to gain strength. Oh my God! This was like this was like a cherry on the top reveal. Where it was like, already good enough, <laughs> and then this this fucked up little tidbit pops up where it's revealed that Gabriel is eating fetuses so he can rebuild. Like it's and it's like a. Because I had completely forgot about the whole, like, she had been trying to have a child. Yeah. Oh, the, me too. Until the end, I'm like, oh my God. Yeah. That makes perfect sense. It's nuts. 
I mean, not like perfect sense, but like perfect sense in the world the, of the movie. In the yes. world of Malignant, yeah. Um, as Gabriel attempts to kill Sydney for replacing him in Madison's life, Madison wakes up and takes back control of her body. In a black mindscape, she subconsciously locked locks an enraged Gabriel behind bars and says she will be ready after he promises to escape one day. With his influence gone, Gabriel sinks back inside her head. That part is also very insidious too. Yes. Like when they're in like the other realm yeah, or whatever. Absolutely. 100%. Um, you want to knock this out and then we can wrap up? Sure. The, yeah. yeah. So back in the hospital, Madison lifts a hospital bed pinning Sydney and remarks that even though they are not related by blood, she will always love her as a sister. Serena looks on happily while the electric humming that accompanied Gabriel attacks can be heard faintly. There's a shot at the end where it lingers on the light that goes on forever. You can hear it whirring. Yes. Out of light, but yeah. Um, I will say this time around. I was um, hoping for a Gabriel will return at the end of the credits. <laughs> yeah. I want to talk about like where we go, but like this time around, I just want to bring this. I'm glad you brought up the score because yeah. this time around, I was not able to listen as well because I have to have the volume low sure. when I'm watching right now, but the score is very cool. And like the sound design is very cool. Yeah. And like the whirring at the end, like it sticks on it forever. Yeah. It's yeah. sweet. Um, so that's malignant. Yeah. Now, yeah. Good it's stuff. very open ended at the end when it comes to Gabriel. Like you can like you can continue it on. I mean she's gonna like there's no possible way she's getting out of killing all these people, right? You would think not. Like they she, know that they know they know that she had the twin and all that stuff, but like like in a court of law like what do we do? She's gonna have to like go into hiding, right? Something. That would where be where a sequel Oh, Gabriel in Paradise. <laughs> Remember the It's Alive movie where they're like on the island? Island of the Alive, yeah. Island of the Alive. <laughs> we should do that, but with Gabriel. <laughs> with Gabriel. I was hoping for like a... Um, and she's like, well, you, Gabriel, like you can have all of the, like the, we can hunt on this island, but you like, like she yeah, goes to get a, like, your kicks on the island. a lowly populated island where he maybe can kill less. <laughs> it was like her yeah, plan. Yeah, that would be... And then Gabriel, but then Gabriel like hijacks a boat or something. I was hoping that James Wan would just like make another couple movies about like different people that had like superpowers yeah. based around weird like parasitic twins and we get some sort of like team up. Like a team up thing? Yeah, like Gabriel unites his other cuz she wasn't the only patient at that research center. No, maybe they're all like Do, maybe there's a pyrokinetic one that grew out of somebody's hip. Yeah. Like I so cool you could, do, you could do like Nightbreed. Yeah, all sorts yeah. of crazy cool stuff going on. <laughs> Let's go. Do it. I don't think we're getting a sequel no. unfortunately. So the, I want to touch this will be our time machine segment because I want to go back and just kind of touch on because you and I were talking about this yesterday in a conversation completely separate and I don't want to give away because we were talking about a very spoilery thing um, but we were talking about a little bit about he's directing Aquaman then the second Aquaman movie yeah 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 and we were talking a little bit about how weird it is that that movie is <clears> even <throat> coming out at all um, with ev- everything yeah. going on with like James Gunn and the DC, with them kind of ending that era. Of yeah, DC because movies, it's yeah. Obvi- like James Gunn is obviously going to take things in a different direction, mm-hmm. um, and maybe Aquaman will play a part. Of it. Jason Momoa's Aquaman, maybe not. I don't know, but we talked about how weird it is, and then I kind of started to think about the reasons why it might even be getting a theatrical release. Is because uh, I'm trying to transport back to HBO. Warner Brothers had the strategy of day and date release during the pandemic oh yeah they released some big i mean godzilla versus kong uh mortal Kombat, yes uh, matrix the third conjuring movie yeah this movie yeah now i don't think now looking back at it i go man they really screwed james wan here oh yeah. when it came to this because oh. he had three movies there that we named off um that were a part of this release strategy. And I say screwed, I just mean, well, like Hollywood's a business. We all know this. Um, but like. The timing was not great for James Wan. For James Wan, because he, no. he produced Mortal Kombat. 
He produced The Conjuring 3, and he directed this one. And I think they all, like, you can look at, there's a reason they're not doing it anymore. Um, And I think some of it is because the pandemic, obviously, has gone a different route. But, like, they're not doing this release date strategy. They're doing, like, a 45-day thing. I think a lot of of the results of that uh, experiment yeah. I think have led directly into the insane restructuring of of Warner Brothers because yeah. I think it was honestly I think it was a failure. Yeah, I think looking back at it, like no. they cost themselves money <laughs> when it comes to this, yeah. and it happened with the DC. Um, so I was thinking about that. I'm like, man, you know what? If I'm James Wan, I'm like, I'm like, no, you're going to release this movie that I put like year a year into. I put all this work into this outcome. You're going to release it in theaters so I can recoup. Like, because I'm sure I have something in my contract. Sure. And guess what? You're going to put my Insidious movie. I think that it's Warner Brothers. Well, that's going to go to theaters as well. Yeah. Like, we're not doing this anymore because Mortal Kombat and The Conjuring, I think, are getting sequels. Right? Mortal Kombat. Mortal getting Kombat a is getting a sequel, 100. percent Yes. The thing with this movie is, I think this movie was hurt by it as well. I know The Conjuring and Mortal Kombat. Kong, Godzilla versus definitely yeah, that's the, getting a sequel too. Yeah. yeah, so they're still continuing those franchises. This movie, I'm curious what you think. Do you think this would have been a bigger hit if it were just, do you think maybe some word of mouth would have picked up for it? Because I could see it being something similar to Barbarian, because Bar- Barbarian kind of picked up with word of mouth, right? I think so. Yeah, I do think I don't necessarily. I won't say for sure that it would, it would warrant a sequel based on its performance. Regardless, it does feel like a one-off to me, and I think that's totally fine. Um, it's actually refreshing. But yeah. do I? I think it would have done better. Um, had it been released during a time when people were going to theaters, um, because I do think it's the type of movie that like it might not be the case anymore. But back in twenty twenty, it was a little bit more of a sell for somebody to like sign up for a streaming service to watch a movie than to go buy a movie ticket and go see a movie. Like right. nowadays I feel like because of what we went through those those couple of years there like now I think people are almost more willing to like sign up for a streaming service to get a movie within the first couple yeah. months of release than to go the th- it's weird. It's a weird landscape. I don't I also think the but I also think that release window pushing it back to forty five days has actually helped a lot yeah. in a lot of ways yeah. too. Like I think it's gone back to, it's just reverted back to what it was before, but also I think we're good. A yeah. little I think we found a nice balance too. Like these yeah. like big corporations can put their movie on yeah. their streaming service. I think we're good. Because I, I like I, a perfect example. The Ant Man movie, the last Ant Man movie. Um I like the Marvel stuff. I'm very picky and choosy about what I see in theaters at this point. I only see a a half dozen movies a year in theaters at this point. Yep. Um, and I was like, I'm gonna skip Ant Man and Wasp in the theater. I'm good. Like the, nothing about it made me feel like I had to go see it. Yep. And uh, but it's cool because like, but you still yeah. You Sixty days wa- later or whatever, or forty five days later, like it's on Disney Plus. I'm good to go. I want to see it, but I don't didn't want to like set and up I, a babysitter and like yeah. you know like I didn't want to do all that. Yeah. Yeah. So, and the thing nowadays is too, like that 45, like it used to be longer in between because of you have to put it on physical media, yeah. VHS, DVD, and that would take a little bit more anymore. time. You just drop it on streaming. Yeah. Most in the movie, movie going public is different now. Most of your money is made in that first weekend or two. Yeah. Um, especially oh, yeah. with these big theatrical stuff, because the people that are going to go see it are going to see it in that first month. And occasionally a movie has likes. It's rare, but it's usually the movies that. That's what had that word of mouth. That's what almost like makes me think maybe this could have like this could have been a, like a word of mouth hit yeah, like we've seen. It could have. Um, but the other thing too was like Megan. Megan had a lot of buzz going into it. It was promoted like crazy. It was promoted like crazy, and like 
the people on, like it was big on like TikTok and stuff, yeah. like all the Megan. Smile did pretty good too. I don't know if this would have yeah, Smile, Smile had great promotion. Yeah. yeah. Um I don't think this movie it's tough to promote this movie because you can't give away What are you promoting? You can't give away the Gabriel no. stuff in the tr- like no. it, you have to go in kind of blind. That's what's tough about this movie. It feels like he said it feels like a video score store discovery movie where people discover it later on in video and they go, uh-huh. Oh, I love this. Uh, it, that's kind of where I'm yeah, at with it too. Sure. I, I'm with you. I don't think this is the type of a movie that was ever going to make enough to get a sequel. No, I think it could have done better than it probably did. But right. I mean, once again, it's the circumstance of the times too. So, you know, it can't be helped. But. Very cool. Awesome. A- any final thoughts on Malignant? Uh, it's fun. Watch it. If you haven't, I'm glad I did. Absolutely. I'm excited for Terrifier one and two. Did not like Terrifier the first time I saw. I mean, I, look, I, I laughed at it a lot, and I went, "Oh God!" But I think like, you're gonna I do that a lot too, as well. I didn't like it. Um, I hope that maybe my my daughter's, you know, uh, burgeoning friendship with with Art the Clown maybe will make me see it in a new light. And you have you were the one that like you wanna you wanted to watch that like you want you want to revisit shake. yeah I you want to revisit this yeah yeah and I might I, I might find I have the results are the same I don't know. I um you have to open yourself up to these things sometimes. I like th- yeah, I like the first Terrifier. I loved Terrifier 2. It was my favorite movie last year, like favorite horror movie last year. I just loved it. Yeah. Um but it is I like I can see you I'm I'm interested because I can see you watching and go like this is a lot. I want to like the Terrifier movies. Okay. I want to. I'm going to see if we can This is going to be the final I think shot it gets. <laughs> you know, I haven't given it that many shots, but I think if I don't like it this time, odds are probably just not a fan. And that's okay. There's nothing wrong with that. Hey, I'm not disparaging people who like the Terrifier movies. It's all this good. Is, um, s- some things aren't for everybody, and that's okay. And I'm sure Terrifier is not for a lot of people. So, <laughs> but it's also for a lot of like you know what I mean. It sure like, is. Something like uh, this is a Indeed. thing like uh, it's a pet peeve of mine with a lot of criticism in general. You know what? Some things aren't for you. Yeah. And it's okay. <laughs> oh God! Don't get me started on that. Yeah. If I hear one more nerd on the internet. <laughs> Raging about the Ninja Turtles movie that's coming out. Yeah, I'm gonna that's lose it. Kind of what I was. There about. are forty thousand different versions of that. <laughs> yep. Pick a different one. Yep. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> this is a children's property more than anything at this point. Yeah. The kids want to see it. Yep. Some. Yeah. I'm with you. Seth Rogen. Yeah. Well, then wait another five years and it'll be a different thing. Psychopaths. I'm glad we get we got uh, check out our tiny terror next week off my for, lawn. for more crankiness from us. We get very cranky in our uh, personal lives as well, uh, but it's a fun tiny terror. We catch up on the last three weeks. You can uh, uh, patreoncom midwestpodnet horror movie yearbook at gmail.com Email us, tweet at us. We'll get back to it, um, and we will see you next time. Take care and be safe, everybody. <laughs>